Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Well, so much to look at today on this very important subject, the return of Jesus, a subject that that, uh, stimulates a lot of excitement among uh, Bible-believing Christians and evangelical Christians, people who uh, take the Bible as truth. It also stimulates a lot of ridicule from those who don't understand, don't believe, or simply don't want to believe uh, what the Bible says. You get to make your choice. That's what the 24-Minute Bible Podcast is all about. But I'm, I'm going to bring you some information to try to pull this incredible subject together Uh, We're going to take two episodes to do it. So this is part one of The Return of Jesus, episode 54, and you're listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. We attempt to make 24 minutes our benchmark. I don't always hit that, but we're going to try. And today, certainly a lot of material to cover. So uh, listen fast, and I'll try to speak clearly here. Uh, As we talk about the return of Jesus, we need to talk about the why as well as the what. The whole Old Testament testifies about the coming of Christ the first time, but the New Testament, particularly from the book of Acts on, is based on really one thing, the promise of Jesus' return. It's, it's woven throughout the texture of Acts chapter 2 all the way, of course, to the book of Revelation. So why talk about the return of Jesus? Well, it's important. The return of Jesus is a reasonable understandable, and an absolutely necessary component to understanding the schematic or the setup of the Bible, particularly the New Testament as as we're going to look at today. So uh, I, I mentioned the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Jesus, and many of you have been following this podcast for over a year now, and I thank you very much for listening. And what, what we started out doing was beginning in the book of Genesis and just putting all of the Bible together, starting with, of course, the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, we see hundreds of prophecies, over 300 prophecies, uh, that have something to do with Jesus, this, this Savior coming, this Redeemer. And Jesus is portrayed all through the Old Testament uh, as the Redeemer. In fact, when we see him riding into Jerusalem five days before his crucifixion there on that Palm Sunday, he's riding on a donkey. Uh, He's the suffering servant. He's the one who's going to give his life humbly on the cross. And that happens, of course, in the Gospels. At the end of each of the Gospels, we we see and understand what Jesus did. But in the New Testament, particularly after the book of Acts, from the book of Acts on, uh, we see Jesus not as a redeemer. He certainly was that and did that. But as we look forward now, we see Jesus as the conqueror or the restorer. Uh, and he's, he's coming back not on a donkey, he's riding back on a white horse, uh, a flying white horse, as he comes back from, uh, from, from eternity, from his home. He comes back to take his bride home. Uh, so he is taking, and I believe that to be the church, most scholars do. So uh, in the Jewish per- concept, he's taking his bride to be with him. 
Uh, and he's also coming back to earth to restore the earth to the original status it had before sin. In other words, what Satan has done in damage, Jesus is going to fix. He's going to overwhelm by the power of his presence. And what Satan thought would be his ultimate victory indeed becomes just one more brick in his ultimate wall of defeat. Uh, so, and then, then Jesus has what sometimes is called the millennial reign, the 1,000-year reign of Jesus on planet Earth. We're not going to get into that today, but I just simply will say to you that his promise to return is critical. In fact, I would say this to you, if he doesn't come back this, the second time, then he really didn't come the first time. If Jesus doesn't come back a second time, then he really didn't come a first time. In fact, he was a charlatan. He was a liar. Uh, he was a religious Bernie Madoff of a cruel, hocus-pocus Ponzi scheme that he's inflicted upon all of us who believe and who are trusting in him. And what a wicked, evil individual he was if he doesn't come back the second time because the whole New Testament is predicated on the fact that he's coming back to take us to be with him. Jesus constantly reassured his followers, John 14, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, I will come back and take you to be with me. So it's, it's woven all through the text of the New Testament. And so it is important to talk about the return of Jesus. We remember perhaps from some movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. I think it was Terminator. All Arnold's movies seem the same to me. But anyway, that, that classic line, I'll be back. Well, Jesus promised that he would be back. General Douglas MacArthur uh, left the Philippines under a withering attack of the Japanese, but he promised the people there that he would return and make things right. And when he did set foot again on the Philippine Islands, his classic line uh, was, I shall return. And, of course, he has returned. He did return during that uh, historical event. As I mentioned 300 times, the Old Testament prophecies relate the first coming of Jesus. Dr. David Jeremiah, very much loved and, and popular uh, writer and uh, pastor in, in, in these days, uh, has made this quote that he says that one in every 30 verses in the New Testament teaches that Jesus is coming back. One in 30 verses has something to do with the return of Christ. So, my friends, as we talk about the return of Christ, uh, it is reasonable, it is understandable, and it is absolutely necessary. So for these next two weeks, we're going to be talking about that. I'm going to be um, quoting some verses. In fact, I'd encourage you to look at the Facebook side. That's always a good place to interact with me. If you have a question or a comment, uh, that just uh, type in 24, the numbers 2 and 4, 24 minute, and you can find me on Facebook and connect with me there. I'll post some of these scriptures because there's a number of scriptures. Again, my, my goal is not to weave some kind of theology or chart or plan for you. Uh, it's simply to give you some big themes, some common ideas that, uh, that will help you to understand and formulate your own ideas about what you believe concerning this most uh, important statement and, and promise of Jesus that he's coming back. So let's look at a few uh, of his last words, his last events. Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Uh, he's on the Mount of Olives there in Jerusalem, and he's told his disciples that he's, all authority has been given to him, and he's giving it or loaning it to us. And then he says that this, these verses occurred, Acts 1, 9. After Jesus had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, 
and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And here's the money line. Here's the important pull quote of this verse, if you will. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Some important concepts there. We, we uh, understand that uh, he's, he's taken away. But his last words, at least from there on planet Earth, is uh, we're told by the angels that he's coming back. Revelation 22, 20 says this, and these are Jesus' last words, uh, last red-letter words in the Bible. Uh, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Jesus' last words in the scripture are that he is coming back. So it's really important that we understand a little bit about the return of Jesus and you begin to to dig deeper and and, uh, think about uh, what that may mean to you, particularly in these very uh, important, prominent, and perhaps prophetic days. So today we're going to look at common themes, uh, give you some big picture ideas. I'm going to give you my perspective, and that's all it is. It's just my perspective, weight with a lot of grains of salt. But I have some ideas, and certainly I believe what I believe, and you don't have to believe what I believe, but this is what I believe. Uh, so I'll give you that. We're going to start about to start talking about the days of Noah and we'll bleed on over into the next episode, next week's episode, uh, and finish up talking about the days of Noah because the, this quote from Jesus, as it was in the days of Noah, has a great deal of understanding, wisdom, and insight for us. So we're going to look at that. Why did Jesus choose Noah? Why not as it was in the days of Moses or Abraham or King David or or Solomon or pick somebody? But he said Noah, and there's a reason for it. We're going to look at that. And so next week, we'll finish up with the days of Noah. And then I'm going to give you uh, my supposal, not a proposal, but just a supposal of how it may happen that the return of Christ may indeed happen in your lifetime. Wow. Very possible. So let's talk about some common themes right now. Again, I'm giving you some scriptures. These scriptures will be uh, listed and given on the, the Facebook side for you to reference so you don't have to be writing them down, particularly if you're driving down the road. Do not write them down. Find them on Facebook. Okay, Matthew 24, 14. Uh, and I quote this. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Uh, I've referenced this before in some of the earlier podcasts I did, but I use Bible Gateway most of the time, and I went back on Bible Gateway, just did it today to reconfirm. And I can access on my computer, because I I believe this, this prophecy of Jesus has already been fulfilled, and it was fulfilled in your lifetime. 20, 30 years ago, the gospel had not been preached to the, had not been preached to every nation and to the entire world. But my friend, it has now. And, and, it's, and it has to do with, with the electronics, the technology of the day. I looked on Bible Gateway, and I can access almost 100 different languages, not versions of the Bible. I'm talking about languages. If I'm sitting in Pakistan right now, where the lingua franca, the language of, of their world there is Urdu, uh, I can access the Bible in Urdu language, and I can read the entire 66 books of the Bible. 
If I'm sitting uh, in, in the country of Nepal, the language of Nepali, there is uh, the Bible on my Bible gateway. You can access it too. Uh, it's all there right now. The gospel is available to every person uh, with a cell phone, which is literally almost everybody on planet Earth. There may be a few places yet. I've traveled quite a bit in some very um, backwoods countries, and I'm telling you, everybody's got a cell phone because the technology is so easy. Because of the cell phone towers, everybody can have the receptacle, the cell phone, and then they don't have to have landlines like we used to have. So it really has been, I believe, answered in your lifetime, this prophetic word of the gospel going out to the entire nation. Let's continue on, all entire nations. Continue on, and again, some big themes. Talks about that in the last days, you'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Continue on in verse 31 of Matthew 24, and it talks about he will send the angels and with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect. Luke 21, 27, again talks about the Son of Man coming in a cloud, but it also continues on in verse 28 and says, hey, if you see these things beginning to happen, stand up, look up, lift up your heads. It's getting close. Redemption draws near. So for us that aren't going to be deceived like a thief in the night, in other words, we're waiting and looking for his return, uh, we won't be surprised. We won't know exactly the time or the day or the hour, but we're going to have an understanding and awareness that, boy, it could be happening maybe even in our lifetime. And that's, I think that's where we're at today. Let's continue on Matthew 24 with, with these common themes, and then I'll, I'll coalesce them all together and just help to make it hopefully more understandable. Here's an important verse in verse 39 of chapter 24 of Matthew. It says that two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Verse 41 says two women will be at the grinding at the hand mill. One will be taken, the other left. So just in these, these few passages here, some common themes or symbols of Jesus returning from heaven. One of the big themes is uh, the clouds. Jesus went away in a cloud. He's going to return in a cloud. There's something about that. So that's one common theme or symbol. Then there's also the idea of removal and a separation. Removal in that some people are going to be removed. They're going to be taken away from planet Earth while others are going to be left. Sort of the sheep and the goats idea that Jesus talked about in uh, Matthew 25. So uh, the, just the concept here of removal and separation from earth of, of groups of people. Uh, the ones removed, we would uh, scholars would say, I would say, is either the church, that's my belief, sometimes called the saints, sometimes called the elect, sometimes called the sheep. But in all those different terms, for sure, there is a removal of a certain group of people that are going to be taken off of planet Earth. Uh, lastly, there, along with the clouds and the removal separation idea, there are signs. Now, we've been having signs, and people for the last 2,000 years have been trying to predict the signs. And uh, have fun with that. Look at it. I think it's going to be difficult for you, uh, partly because we, we live in such a myopic way. In other words, we're short-sighted. We always think that this is, this is our thing is the only thing. And we don't look back a few hundred years. Uh, in, in fact, you know, I've heard people say because of uh, the pandemic, for example, uh, well, that must be a sign that Christ is coming back. We've had lots of pandemics before, uh, the Spanish flu and the Asian flu and <clears throat> uh, the bubonic plague and, and so many things that obviously could have been a triggering event. But just because we have some of these signs doesn't necessarily mean 
that he's coming back. Now, a combination of those, and there's some other factors that make me more cognizant uh, that this may be the day uh, and that we might be living in the time. But on the other hand, I think really, really godly saints throughout the last 2,000 years have felt that they were in the days of Jesus' return. It's a good way to live. It's the way we're supposed to live, looking forward, expecting Christ's return at, at any moment. That's, again, some of the parables he taught about keeping our lamps trimmed and oil in our lamps and things like that. This, it's, a, it's a way for us to live as, as believers, if you're a believer today. So uh, those, are, those are important common themes, the clouds, the removal and separation, and the signs. There may be a triggering event that will cause something to happen. We may see some huge thing. Well, again, we've just finished or coming out, hopefully, on the other side of a pandemic that was, was worldwide. It impacted the entire earth, still is in many ways. Uh, just recently, uh, we, we talk about uh, some things that can happen, and you know, we, we've uh, asteroids and other uh, comets, things from outer space impacting planet Earth. Uh, there's also the idea of earthquakes and eruptions and all sorts of things. I think one of the big triggering events could be either the sun with solar flares or an attack from an enemy country uh, that uh, is an electromagnetic pulse sort of bomb, which are now in existence. Why is that important? Because it would, it would stop society in its tracks today. We operate on information systems. We don't have money anymore. Uh, you have numbers transferred from your account or from your employer's account to your account. And by and large, the cash society is non-existent or very minimally uh, interacted with. So your money, your records, your resources, your retirement, even your transportation, because every car purchased since uh, the last in the last 10 years has a chip in it. And if something caused that chip to melt, and that could happen or fry, that vehicle's dead in the water. In fact, we can access uh, through the technology, there's much access of the things going on. Uh, people can shut your car off from 1,000, 100 miles away uh, if something happens, or they can fix it from that distance. So it's incredible the things that have taken place. Let me just mention two possible triggering events. I just read about this the other day. Um, it, it has to do with NASA, and it's called the DART mission, D-A-R-T, DART mission. This is all October 6th of 2021, and, and here's basically what the article says if all goes as planned, DART, which is a spaceship, uh, there are two asteroids heading toward planet Earth right now. They don't really think they're going to hit, but they want to practice their Armageddon uh, <clears throat> deep impact sort of movie ideas. Can we actually impact and change the trajectory of an asteroid. That may be a huge thing. And so NASA's going to try it. Uh, there's one of these two asteroids. It's called Diddy Moon. And it's traveling uh, at us. It will, uh, and, and possibility is that it could get close to Earth and maybe even impact. Uh, we don't know how close. I mean, NASA's been a little bit better than the Weather Channel and certainly Al Gore, who predicted 20-foot rise in sea level oceans, uh, you know, 20 years ago in New York going to be underwater. Um, you know, go back and figure out your theology again a little bit more, uh, Vice President Gore. But uh, <clears throat> for all of that, there are some things out there that are real. And uh, so at uh, this, this DART mission has been aimed. The idea, according to NASA, is that it will be traveling at 13,500 miles an hour. And on October 2nd of 2022, a little less than a year from now, it will impact Diddy Moon. Uh, 
Diddy Moon is a 500-foot-wide piece of rock, an asteroid. Not huge, but bigger than a football field, a football field and a half, more or less. And if it impacts planet Earth, certainly if it hits a population area, uh, the devastation could be huge. It's not an Ellie sort of event, an uh, extinction-level event. But it certainly is an event that could do catastrophic damage in many places. So we'll see what happens uh, to that. But that, that's one thing that could be a triggering event. Another one was recently in the National Geographic video that I watched um, on, on, on that channel, uh, the supervolcano that lies underneath Yellowstone. And they talked about what could happen if that volcano erupts. You know, the, the Old Faithful, the, the geyser that comes up. Well, that's just a minute little aspect of this huge, the largest one on planet Earth, volcano that rests out there under Wyoming. If it rises up, as they do in Hawaii and, and uh, other places, it, it could be catastrophic, almost uh, country-ending if it really manifests itself in a huge way. The United States would be, in almost every way, devastated. So uh, who knows? But those are just a couple of triggering events that could rise up that would certainly perhaps be a prelude to the coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus. Let me give you, uh, uh, in the four minutes or so we got left, let me give you a little bit of my perspective, where I come from, and then that kind of sets up next week as we talk about the supposal of what it might look like. Uh, my perspective is from a pre-tribulation rapture idea. Uh, what that literally means is that I believe that Christians will not be on planet Earth during the last seven years of life, what the book of Daniel, the Bible calls the tribulation period. I think that we will be removed. I think that the people that will be on planet Earth, and we're going to look more at that next week, uh, who will be here and what will they experience. But I certainly think that it may get bad. It's, it's bad now in some places. I mean, my goodness, if you lived in North Korea, you, you would think you were living uh, in an apocalyptic time because it's horrible. Uh, the tribulations and the starvations and all the things going on in that poverty-ridden country because of a, uh, a crazy dictator who um, rules and you have no power. Uh, thank the Lord we live in America, and let's keep it that way, uh, free and, and, and ready to, to serve and all that. But there are places on the earth that are really desperate right now. Regardless, I think that there will be a, uh, a, an event that removes us from planet earth. That's the pre-tribulation. And then I believe in what's called a rapture. And the rapture is simply the idea that there's, as we talked about earlier, one of the common themes there, there's going to be a removal of God's people uh, from planet Earth. And that removal is going to take place, and it's going to be real. And uh, you're going to experience it, I think. So we would be caught up. In fact, here's uh, the verse that I base a lot of that on, as well as the Old Testament holidays or holy days that we talked about in earlier episodes of this podcast. But First Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God. We've heard those themes before. The dead in Christ will rise. I think actually it's the dead in Christ is going to come with him, but they will rise and you can interpret that however you want. But verse 17 says this, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
So what are we looking at here? We're talking about uh, a removal from planet Earth of a group of people that will be caught up or meeting with Jesus, uh, the Lord, in the air, in the clouds. And the verse continues on and closes out, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, I'm excited about that. And uh, one of the most real dreams I've ever had, I can, I can, on one hand, I can tell you how many dreams I can remember in my life, but the most real dream I've ever had uh, was uh, about this event. It wasn't spawned by any certain thing in my life that I can tell. I hadn't been doing a Bible study or anything like that, but I can tell you exactly where I was standing. I can take you there right now. I can tell you uh, who I was with. Uh, and it was just a very, very real dream. Now, was it was a prophetic. I'm not saying that, but it is one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had. And I remember going up and thinking, this is it. I can't believe it. And I just remember the feeling, even now as I'm sitting here recording this, I think of the exhilaration that I experienced in that dream, in that moment, thinking that Jesus had returned. So is there a reasonable expectation that Jesus could come back in your lifetime, in this generation, a biblical generation is usually 40 years. So is there a reasonable expectation that Jesus might come back by 2050 or 2060? Well, I'm going to say to you, yes, there is. And in the next episode, we're going to look at the quote out of, uh, from Matthew and, Mar and Luke. But uh, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he use Noah? And what are the parallels, the correlations, the similarities between the days of Noah and our current days? I, I think there are some, and I think they're biblical. And uh, at least let me voice them to you in the next episode, and uh, you can see what you think. But particularly, and most importantly, uh, read for yourself. See what you believe as the Holy Spirit shows you. And maybe you're not a believer here as you're listening to this podcast, and yet you sense that something's going on in the world. Well, my friend, I'll tell you, the most important thing that ever went on in, on in this world, in this life, was the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. The second most important thing is his promise that he's coming back. And I believe with all my heart and with everything within me that he is coming back. And so if you don't know him, I'd invite you to ask Christ into your life right now by simply praying, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. As simple as that, you can become one of the believers, one of the saints, and you may find yourself one day being caught up in the clouds and going on the greatest roller coaster ride that never ends that you can imagine. Hey, next week we're going to talk about the days of Noah. So thank you for listening in today and look forward to speaking with you next week on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well. Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week and may God be glorified in your lives.